I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I've got a little joke for you. An Arab, a Jew, and an Asian fellow walk into a bar. <laughs> and I'm off. So that, we didn't even plan that. And I'm off Sedensky. And Alex, I know you're not a magician because I'm a real magician. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss season four, episode three, The Blind Date, which originally aired on January 18th, 2004. It's a continuation, really, of all the stories that we had in the last episode. We've talked about how this season is really much more serialized than, um, certainly than Seinfeld, but even than the previous seasons of Curb, there's a whole number of uh, narratives which are really building from episode to episode. So let's jump right into them. Yeah, and I think we're going to, I think we're going to kick a little bit into a higher gear. Yeah. uh, Storyline-wise. Yes. Michael's apartment, and uh, Larry's vacuuming his floor. Yeah, wow. which I can't understand. Yeah, it doesn't, can he not hire really... a cleaning lady? Yeah, well, I mean, that's like a common trend on Curb that like Larry like does things actually himself. Yeah, that, that in real life he would just throw money out first. Like even like most recently, like the Spite Store. Like he could have opened the Spite Store, but like hired somebody them like 10 grand a month to handle everything well in that case he really wanted to get in the weeds because his chance to live at all his fantasies about how to design the bathrooms and you know how to yeah, design well, the tables yeah but ultimately it, yeah, yeah. That, that sort of stuff always happens to him. he gets yeah uh, but but cleaning someone's house is really not something that i would see him having any appeal for yeah uh yeah he, he gets to be very hands-on when yeah, he, he does like to claim that he uh he's good at washing dishes in a later season of curb yeah Susie does not uh, buy that yeah um, so yeah, so yeah, Larry's just vacuuming the floor. Michael's just like on his headphones listening to music, <laughs> doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, Larry says, you know, you really better get a new girlfriend because I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and basically, Michael, Michael out, only dated women so they would clean up for him. Yeah, that's what it seems like. You know, from Seinfeld, we've learned that, uh, you know, at a certain point, the, uh, the, the line between, uh, you know, girlfriend and cleaning lady can be a, a little bit awkward. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and Larry, Larry, to his credit, makes the same point that you're saying right now, meaning that he's like, you know, Michael's like, it's your fault that I don't have a girlfriend because like, you ruined uh, Rhonda for me. Yeah. Uh, and Larry's like, well, you know, you're very hard to set up because you're very particular that you require an attractive woman who is not only willing to date a blind man, but she will have to wait on you hand and foot. <laughs> yeah. And like, and she must be attractive, even though you can't even see her. Like, but at least he's a redeeming ca- characteristic. He's a wonderful personality. Oh wait, yeah, uh, exactly. at least he's very right. wealthy. Oh, at least he's very good looking. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> he's good at piano. I'll give him that. Yeah, this is. But, by the way, how does it, how is it Larry's fault that he's single? Okay, Larry's the one who told him that Rhonda wasn't attractive, but he's the one who chose to dump Rhonda. Like no one forced him to do that. Yes, and he's the one to care yes. exclusively about the looks of a person he's dating, even yes. though he's blind. He's like, no, it's not his fault that he's blind, probably. Although, yeah. maybe it is. You know, something <laughs> tells me this guy... Oh, blaming the victim here. <laughs> what? 
So he 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 was uh, blinded through an act of uh, great irresponsibility. You think? Or he was he was having doing some scheme on someone and <laughs> got himself blind. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a trustworthy fella. Yeah. Maybe he was uh, pouring pretend acid on his eyes as part of a some kind of a slip slipping Jimmy scheme, but then accidentally poured real acid on them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think as we I think we saw that Larry even said that the idea for the for the blind character came to him, but is that like blind people are always presented as nice, and he's like, I'm sure some blind people are assholes. <laughs> yeah. That's um. Oh, I forgot the name of the character in um in Rami. Do you watch Rami Yosef's show? Yeah, I watched season one. I did that. Okay, so his best friend, yet. who is in a wheelchair, uh huh, right. They they make a point about how they saying how both for Rami and for the actor who plays that character, it was important that he not be portrayed as sort of a purely good-hearted person because again, like you know, similar to what Larry says, people who are disabled are often not really presented as full people on television right. or, or in media in general. They're sort of portrayed as almost these uh, just, char- you know, characteristics. The, ba- the basic characteristic is, you know, victim. And so yeah. they want to present somebody who's, you know, can be a little bit of a jerk, even though he's yeah. uh, disabled. Disabled well. people are people too. Yes. And most of them are probably assholes because mm. that's how yes. people are. <laughs> most, yes. All right. Yeah. So that um, ends that scene. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Mike, yeah, Michael's saying that, you know, it's not fair that if he's dating someone, everyone gets to see what he looks like except oh, yes. for him. Yeah. It's not equal. Um, so Larry is driving to a parking lot. I don't think it's clear where exactly he's going. I don't think it's ever made clear, but okay. Um, and he's practicing his lines. He's not paying attention. And the parking divider thing comes down on the front of his car. And then they try to escape it. He goes in reverse. And he gets the severe tire damage that we've all read about every time we go into one of these parking lots. Has that ever happened to you? No. It happened to me once as a kid. I mean, my, my dad was the one driving, but we were in the car where he like backed up out of a parking lot. And, the, and, and it was the same thing. But there was actually a guy at, at the booth who says, just back up. And my dad's like, well, no, if I back up, this is going to pierce my tires. And the guy's like, no, 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 I promise it won't happen. People back up over this all the time. And my dad backed up over it and it pierced the tires. And the guy's like, oh. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. My dad was not very pleased. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have no resolution. I don't remember how that story ended. I just I remember where we were, but I have no idea how the story ended. Did Ben Stiller come to pick him up? No, unfortunately not. Okay, well, Ben Stiller and uh, Christine... It would have been awkward to fit us all on a car, yeah. Yeah, it comes to pick up Larry. Um, they do this little shtick where, you know, Larry keeps touching the, the door too early and Ben has been trying to unlock it. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, you know, everyone's had that. We've all been there. Yeah, but we just really have to play up that Ben is really sick of Larry. Yeah. Um, ben says, okay, we're just going to drop off Christine at yoga class. Yeah. And then we'll which go is, to Which is at a building with a massive sign that just says yoga. <laughs> yeah. Um, Larry wonders if both yoga and yogurt are related Hmm. Uh, because they both start with yo. Mm-hmm. Not just start yo, they start with both Y O G. He doesn't even yeah. mention the G. Yeah. Um, this is G erasure. This uh, is similar to Charlie in uh, Always Sunny when he thinks that spaghetti and spas have something in common. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, both, right. both healthy. Both start yeah. with SPA. It's like uh, George's stick with manure. Yes. Manure. Got the ma and the newer. Yeah. Hey, I worked on Marissa Tomei. It's good enough for me. Yeah. When uh when are we resuming uh Seinfeld quotes? Oh, when am I doing that podcast? You're saying? Yeah. Uh, Akiva was very against it. He says nobody cares about Seinfeld after week one of the NFL season, so we have to wait a week. Oh, okay, a week. We'll get <laughs> well, it soon. P- perhaps more because I think next week we have a Survivor podcast coming. Okay, that's acceptable. As well. It'll come. It'll come. Okay. 
Seinfeld and Survivor are acceptable. I don't this football nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So um, yeah, so they're both healthy. They both start with yo. Ben uh, doesn't think that they're related. Uh, Lowry goes on. Well, he thinks of another word. I remember what it was. I didn't even write it down. Um, but yeah, they're they're yeah they're very similar. Uh, so Christine gets out for her yoga class, and Ben tells Larry to move up to the front of the car. Uh, and Larry says, "No, nah, fine, back here." Um, ben is like a little perturbed at, at first, and says, "Well, you know, just move up. Come on, I'm not your chauffeur." Yeah. Um, and Larry is just like not having it. He, you know, it's two minutes away. What's the big deal? Doesn't like why are you so insecure that like of course you're not my chauffeur. We're just like we're in the car. Let's just go. We would have been there already. Yeah. Um, and then calls him a little baby. Um, Larry keeps saying, "Well, the little baby's gonna go walk." And are they you, find are you calling fight. me a, man, a baby man? What is he? Saying? Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the way until he gets to the rehearsal. Yeah. Um, it's Huge like hard dispute. to say who's right and wrong here because they're both complete, like completely ridiculous. Yeah, I've been in this exact conversation before, though. Yeah, which side were you on? Well, I, I mean, I've been in the back seat when the person in the front seat gets out, and then the driver says, "Hey, come up to the front seat." And I don't actually get into the fight. I just sort of roll my eyes. And I'm like, okay, fine, I guess. Like, I mean, if it's a long trip, sure. But if it's less than five minutes, if I'm being next to drop off, then, you know, right. what's the point? Um, but yeah, but I don't, I don't get in a fight with the person who's doing me a favor and giving me a ride. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, right. Rolling your eyes and doing it is yeah. what I would say is the correct thing to do. You know, yeah. guys being like, who cares? Yeah. Um, By the way, did you notice in the scene, and, and you did notice, cause I just sent you a screen grab from it. You know, so we see inside the car as Ben and Larry are arguing, Ben in the front seat, Larry in the back seat, and they've removed the headrests from the front seats of Ben's car, clearly for, for the purpose of, of filming, because, you know, it'd be harder to film with, you know, Ben's head would be blocked if there was a headrest in the way. But it looks very weird to me, and I presume that it's not only uncomfortable, but I have to assume it's illegal to drive like that. Um, yeah, you probably get a, some sort of violation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, some, something tells me Ben Stiller could probably talk his way out of that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you think in real life he takes his uh, his his headrest yeah, out because he's more focused on having conversation with people in the backseat than he is on his own personal car. Yeah, this is actually Ben Stiller's actual yeah. car. Yeah, very modest car for Ben Stiller. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. In early 2004, before uh. Yeah, all, this is right before yeah. all the dodgeball money started. Yeah, exactly. Then, then he gets a better car. <laughs> Um, okay, so we're back at home, and uh, apparently Cheryl's cousin Stuart is staying with them. Nephew, I think, is what they said. Um, nephew? I thought he said cousin. Well, that's what's, it's very unclear to me, because we, he only, Cheryl only has the one sister that we know about. Right. So, I mean, I guess, it, I thought they said nephew, it could be a cousin. Um, yeah, but this whole thing doesn't really make sense. Cheryl, Larry asked Cheryl how long he's here for, and she doesn't know. So this kid, his parents sent him here with no return date. That's very, very strange. Yeah. Um, Did you recognize was, this actor, by the way? Yeah, it's uh, Anton Yelchin. Yeah. He was in the Star, some of the Star Trek movies. Yeah, so uh, it's funny. I didn't know him from any of that. I knew him from Huff. Did you ever see Huff, the Showtime show? No. So there's a show on Showtime called Huff starring Hank Azaria as the eponymous Huff, which aired actually the exact same time as this episode as Curb in around 2004. And I remember watching it, and um, there was an episode where uh, a- Anton plays uh, Hank, Hank, Hank Hazaria Huff's son, and he's uh-huh. the exact same, because it's filmed the exact same time as his Curb episode, he looks exactly the same, which is why I have it in my head. And he goes to some kind of party. He's like in, in ninth grade or whatever he is. He goes to a party, and it's called, uh, I forget the exact name of the party because I saw this, you know, 
16 years ago, even though it's indelibly marked in my head. Uh, and this is uh, for adult content only, by the way. He goes to a party. It's called like a rainbow blowjob party. And the purpose of this party is that every single girl at the party has a different color lipstick. And then everyone's blindfolded and the girls uh, perform oral sex on the boys. And then the boys go in the mirror and they see, or they look down and they see which colors of lipstick they have to sort of identify who's done what. And this is not a party that I could ever imagine any high school that has ever existed actually having. But I, I mean, I vividly remember watching this. So, anyway, so Anton comes home and his dad finds out and his dad's all upset because of these the right lessons for a 14-year-old boy to be learning. But, I, you know, when I saw it, I was a 21-year-old boy who was just exceedingly, exceedingly jealous. Now that I'm 37, I mean, I'm slightly jealous, I guess, but I'm mostly concerned about what the hell is going on in this high school that these 14-year-olds are behaving like this. But, um, yeah, so that, that, that's what, it, as soon as I see him, that's what I think of every time. Um, but I didn't know who Anton Yelchin, uh, Yelchin was. Do you know, like, sort of his personal story? Well, I know that he passed away a few years ago. Yeah, so, well, his, his life was, you know, I, he, he was like a died. Russian immigrant, right? Yeah, he died tragically. He has a very interesting life. So he's born in the Soviet Union. His parents are a pair of figure skaters, uh, like pair figure skaters, who qualified for the Olympics in 1972, but because of significant anti-Semitism, they're like not allowed on the team. And then, um, anyways, you know, like many Soviet Jews, his family manages to emigrate to America in 1989, and then he quickly becomes this well-respected, you know, young up-and-coming actor, as you said. And then yeah, he dies in this freak accident when he's 27. But um, yeah, so very, very, uh, very interesting uh, life and backstory and tragic, uh, short-lived life for him. But uh, he, he. Uh, has a very uh, two big roles on uh, premium TV shows, guest shows, at the exact same time that I remember both of them sixteen years later. So, anyways, yeah, and um, I thought he was like very memorable here in a weird way. Yeah, like extremely. Yeah, it's very because it's like he's just like in and out of this one episode. It's like random family member of Cheryl, and like I always remembered him. Like yeah. it was like such a like striking role he has a very good delivery um like you know um cheryl system at the end of the scene you guys are a lot alike yeah his response is yeah except he's not a magician it's just (laughs) the way he delivers that line is so excellent for a kid especially yeah yeah he's very good um so yeah so um well larry's upset that Stewart finished all the grape nuts uh which he should be upset because grape nuts is a terrible cereal yeah grape nuts are garbage they're like how is it fair in your uh, cereal bracket uh, I, I think they may have been in a play and, and lost well before. They didn't the, even get, the yeah, they didn't even get to the bracket. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it's a horrible serial. Yeah. Uh, Larry asks Cheryl if he can borrow her car for the meeting tomorrow with Mel. And she says, sure, as long as you get a car wash. Mm. Uh, so no, they Stewart, they uh, tried to wash her car last time. It didn't, right. didn't work yeah, out so well. She had to cancel the middle. You think yeah, Larry so Stewart, would say, no, I don't want to risk getting stuck in the car wash again. Yeah, the car wash is a very risky activity. Yeah, he probably, I would guess, he's so he's so sort of, uh, traumatized that every time he goes on a car wash thereafter, he's going to say to the lady at the desk, all right, if you get a phone call and you can barely make out any sound, turn off the car wash. That's me. Yeah. I will be calling you for this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Stewart comes downstairs. He wants to show Larry a card trick. Uh, Larry's very impressed. He's able to pick his card, and he says, how, tell me how you did it. And Stewart won't tell because, of course, magicians don't reveal their, their tricks. Hmm. Uh, Larry says, yeah, but you're not a real magician. You just know one trick. Yeah, uh, not not having it. A trick is what a, is what a whore does for me. Um, Larry says, "Well, how did you learn the trick?" He says, "A magician taught me." He says, "Well, why was the magician allowed to tell you if you were the magician?" So he says, "Well, because the magician was able to tell that I'm a magician, and since I'm a magician, I can tell that you're not a magician." 
Um, and Larry like, just like walks away. He's very frustrated by this. He doesn't get yeah. to go to the first. Um, and as, as you said, as you said, Cheryl notes that they're very alike, uh, as Stuart mentions, except he's not a magician. Yeah. And I guess they're alike. Why? Because they're both sort of stubborn and principled about uh, <laughs> yes. meaningless things. Yeah. Yeah. Stubborn, yeah. yeah. principled, sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. His hair looks uh, like what uh, Larry David's hair looked like 40 years earlier. A little bit of the yeah. Jufro. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably really uh, Larry's cousin or something. Mm. Yeah. That would make more sense, actually. Okay, so um, yeah, so it's uh, later in the day, and uh, Larry and Jeff are walking into the building at Mel's offices, and, uh, and um, Larry asks Jeff, "Are you going to the Halloween party? Are you wearing a costume?" Jeff is. Larry does not want to wear a costume. He like wearing costumes. Yeah. What's your take on costumes, by the way? Sorry. As an adult, what's your take on costumes? Um, I I often dress up on on Purim. Um, we often do like a family theme. Yeah. So I'll dress up for that. Um, yeah. If we're not doing a family theme at this point, I'm not going to dress up. But yeah. I'm happy to dress up if it's a family theme that With I don't kids. Do, like yeah. super lame. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah. So um, Jeff tells Larry that last night he went to the bathroom at 11.30 um, implicitly to masturbate. <laughs> Uh, pretty, Larry, pretty quickly. Yes. Uh, Larry is very surprised that Jeff has the energy to pull that off at 1130. Jeff yeah. says, I always have energy. Yeah. And they both agree, can I mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Jeff was uh, thinking that, uh, he said, I was thinking of Jenna Jameson, mm-hmm. uh, which made me think about these dark <laughs> ages when you had to just like think, like instead of having a device in your head that you could yeah. summon up. Like. You, you do have a device in your hand, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. no, the, now you have two devices in your hand, a bunch of more useful device in your hand, yeah, can make anything appear <laughs> literally anything, yes. Um, so I was thinking of that at Jameson, and then all of a sudden Cheryl pops in, yeah. Um, and for some reason, Jeff thought that Larry would be charmed by this it, anecdote. It, it is absolutely flummoxing to me, like why Jeff thinks that Larry charmed, <laughs> flattered, whatever he thinks he would be like. Let me just state for the record here, for you and any listeners, if anyone ever chooses to masturbate to my wife or any other member of my family, don't tell me. All right? It's a don't ask, don't tell situation. Oh, so you're saying you're cool with it, just like I don't, just don't involve I, I just don't, I'm just assuming that, well, I'm assuming you're not, but if, if, if that's not correct, don't, again, don't tell me. I don't need to know. All right. So I definitely won't tell you okay. which member of the family. <laughs> <laughs> Larry says, no, I'm disgusted. Mm. Um, he says, don't do this again. And next time she pops in, you put your pants back on and you get out of that room. Yeah. Uh, here's here's what I would say. I think that if you have a very, very attractive wife, then saying it to your friend is, while still inappropriate, is slightly safer because it's almost an invitation like, you know, oh, and I'm, I'm willing to share as well. But right. I think that Larry and Jeff would both acknowledge that, uh, that Cheryl is more sort of objectively attractive than Susie. And so Jeff isn't even really offering anything here. He's like the fat guy married to, you know, the, the loud uh, Jewish woman. Jewish, He's like, oh, right. guess what? I'm fantasizing about your uh, very shiksa right, right. wife. Your, your blonde shiksa wife. Yeah. So it, Larry, Larry's really getting nothing out of this. Yeah. And, and in uh, fact, I think that my theory will prove true because uh, un, unwillingly, Larry will start fantasizing about Jeff's wife. So... Yeah, um, Jeff like kind of like does what like George wants to do in um, in the Hamptons, where he's like, "Well, I got to see you. Got she got to see me naked. I should get to see her naked." Yeah, 
I could offer you to see me naked. That's all I could offer you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just so discussed a similar listen. story like this um, with my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, on another on one of the team preview podcasts. I think last week. Uh, yes, I, I don't remember the exact details, but yes, yeah. that was a good one. Um, yeah. Everyone should go back and listen to all thirty-two of those. <laughs> <find that> story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so um, they head on into Mel's office, and um, the receptionist, who's mean to them, is there, oh. and they ask very nice, normal you know, unbiting questions Other about questions. the adoption and how it's going. Yeah. And she's extremely mean. It says, yeah. they, uh, says, they make some reference to when they get the kid. And she says, get the kid. Yeah. Well, yeah. Come on. Again, this woman has less of a sense of humor than any person who's ever lived. Yeah. She's like very offended by this. Thing. Like, yeah, come on. That was perfectly innocuous. Yeah. Uh, so they head on in. Um, uh, we can see that before uh, before they're coming in, two other guys are talking to Mel. They're like very upset. They think that something's a big disaster. Mel asks Larry how it's going. Larry says, everything is going great, except I have one small issue. I don't like the toilet paper at the rehearsal hall. And Mel promises softer, better toilet paper will be provided. Mm. Uh, Mel informs Larry, FYI, um, Ben Stiller has left the show. Mm. Uh, It turns out he gave Mel an ultimatum and said either I go or he goes about Larry and they, uh, they list off all of Ben's grievances that he has against Larry, starting with the front seat issue and not giving the gifts and not, giving it, uh, not being willing to shake, him with them, shake his hands at the, yeah. the events. I just I uh, love how Larry, how Mel's two goons are like being like, you know, Ben's attorneys here and just throwing yes. out each of the uh, complaints against yes. Larry. One and, Mel, and Larry defends himself. And Mel always Mel like, defending him on everyone. Oh, yeah. Of course. It's like the person that's perfect. What's the big deal? Yeah. You know, this is what I wonder. And if, if any of our listeners is watching this for the very first time, it doesn't know how the season ends. Then, I, well, first, I think we accidentally spoiled. Yeah, them, I think so we said it in like every episode. But I'm yeah. sort of wondering like you know we are watching this knowing what's going to happen but and so for us it's like so obvious like for mel to choose larry david over ben stiller it's obvious what he's doing but the first time i watched this especially because i don't even think i was aware of the narrative of the producers at the time yeah sure i didn't know and it's almost like you know like the usual suspects or the sixth sense in that on the rewatch the clues are all there it's very obvious what's happening from the beginning they're not making any effort to hide it yeah yeah, that's part of make what makes it so so well done yeah. is that it's it was there it wasn't just like one of these movies where a twist comes in at the end and you're like okay well that was like just like out of left field yeah that's it was there the whole time and yeah. it was a complete it, it, rip it, it was a very you know the narrative was was meta because it was the narrative of the show they were making and so yeah it should have been obvious and again maybe it was contemporaneously to some viewers but it wasn't to me yeah it was not to me but yeah I didn't really know the producers uh, plot that well uh, but yeah no until the last until the tenth episode but you know I, who does know the plot of the producers uh mel's two goons and katie huffman and, and right everyone yeah. else so, associated like, with a second yeah uh is, isn't this the show yeah <laughs> yeah okay um so um yeah so yeah mel's defense larry and uh larry says you know i think this is really a blessing in disguise because while ben is a, a very talented actor <laughs> i don't think he belongs in musical comedy <laughs> <laughs> so juicy yes um and mel he says he's very confident it's gonna work out fine uh maybe we're gonna get david schwimmer to replace him yeah. uh he's great and we can even save money on the marquee by doing a before and after larry yeah. david schwimmer yeah by the way i love larry when when larry sort of gets credit for something or sees that he has support from someone i love how he sort of grows into the role like as an example when he accidentally stops the baptism last season 
and all the Jews are praising him. He started, you know, he's like, something had to be done. I had, you know, I saw, and he sort of like takes credit very loudly yes. and proudly. And yeah, it's sort he of similar here. Him. Once he sees that Mel is defending him, he sort of really starts criticizing Ben and really like owning the space as it were. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's consistent with a guy who just like throws out a lot of bullshit all the yeah. time. And when like, Someone whenever somebody's yeah. like, oh yeah, good point. He's like, oh yeah, that is a good point. Yeah. <laughs> he like doubles down on it. Yeah. He's very excited that someone's actually taking his side. Yeah, I mean, you could say Jerry did this as well. Like when Bible calls him a good man, he thinks constantly about how right. such what a good man he is. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, I should rewatch that show. Seinfeld. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah. Um, should we do a podcast about it? No. <laughs> uh, so Larry, uh, so Larry heads out, and uh, the Mel's guys tell him he's making a big mistake. There's something wrong with this guy. He's mentally challenged or something. And Mel says, no, there's something about him that's thrilling. <laughs> that's very foreboding, mentally challenged. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Larry's driving, and he sees off in the distance there's a car wash uh, that appears to be run by a group of mentally handicapped people. Oh, by the way, so this is what I was saying. I guess he was so afraid of going in an actual physical car wash that instead he prefers to find individuals yeah, I guess. who are going to, yeah. Um, one, of whom, one of these people is Judah Friedlander. Yeah. It, it makes me a little uncomfortable to sort of see Julia Friedlander playing a disabled person, especially with other actors who seem to be disabled themselves. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about that. Yeah. So the other three guys, um, I saw this on IMDb, uh, Stanley DeSantis, Joseph Rosenberg, and Brad Silverman, um, all who play mentally challenged characters here. So it, it says play. It doesn't say they are. I don't know. I didn't look it up. They play essentially the same roles in I Am Sam. So I guess they probably are if they're in multiple places playing yeah. like mentally challenged people. They probably actually are the became actors. Whereas Judah Friedlander is in 30 Rock and plays a non-mentally handicapped person, or I guess borderline in some ways. I don't know. Um, yeah, so yeah, so they're uh, raising money for the Langley Center where they all live, and they're gonna, you know, they'll do they'll, uh, they'll wash Larry's car for 10 bucks. <laughs> And they start doing it, and they are doing a terrible job. Uh, they're getting water not, in the not car. Not lack of effort. Yeah, they're getting. Yeah, they're trying their best. Um, they're getting everything wet. They're getting dirt in the car somehow. They're taking forever. Uh, Larry's getting very, very frustrated. Um, he's heading home, and all of a sudden he realizes he's running out of gas, and he calls Cheryl and blames her for not leaving him with enough gas. Now, I think this is. Completely Larry's fault. He's been in the car now all day at this point. Yeah, it, it, I don't understand. You can't be in a car until it's literally dead. Like, the car starts pinging and lighting up well before then. Yeah, and, like, it's one thing if, like, this was, like, the first time he got in the car in the morning and it was, like, basically empty. And, like, that's, like, that's on the responsibility of, like, the person who drove it. Like, yeah, don't leave the car empty. You're right. He literally was at a gas station getting his car washed. Yeah, he was already went to the gas station. He already went to the meeting at Mel's office. Like, you've been driving around town all day. But just in general, the idea of a car being so lacking in gas that it literally pulls, like, stops dead. Yeah, it's happened that, to that me. That never once. happens. Oh, it has? Okay. Yeah, it happened to me once. Okay. I was going to say it never happens in real life. Um, yeah, I mean, but part of it is what you're saying is that, like, you get pigs so far in advance that sometimes you think you have more time yeah, to be oh, so you almost you have, Yeah, so maybe that's Especially like that, that, um, you know, like some cars, they tell you, like, how many miles to empty. Yeah. Yeah, that's not always so accurate. Mm, I see. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, you're like, oh, I still have three miles. Like, I could drive home and I'll take care of it in the morning. And then, well, oh, if no. you're under 30, I think you're uh, playing a little too too risky. Oh, 30? Yeah, you know, you go wait under 30. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, on, on home improvement, they once said that Tim, Tim Allen says that uh, he tells his kids that the E means extra 10 miles. Yeah. Well, again, it's like Kramer. You want to see how far past the E yeah. can go. So um, Larry's very upset because he has to pee, and he also knows his sunblock is missing. Uh, he tries to pee by a plant, but gets busted. Then he tries to go to several different homeowners. None of them will let him in. Uh, finally, you know, a woman in a black burka opens the door, and she lets him in, and she's even nice enough to take him to go get gas. Uh, however, she's disappointed to learn that he's married. Um, he notes that, you know, the, the problem is that men are very superficial, and they like to know what a woman looks like. Yeah, very upfront uh, comments here. Yeah, and, and mid-sentence, he catches himself and realizes that she would be perfect for Michael and says, actually, I have a guy for you. Yeah. And she says, a blind date? And he says, literally. <laughs> yeah. Now, I have, a, I have a couple questions before we get to Habus's door. Larry, yeah. first of okay. all, did you notice the first door that he knocks on is Mr. Mandelbaum? Oh, I did not notice that. That's awesome. Um, I, I believe. Um, but then I started counting how many doors he knocked on. I think he, can, he knocks on at least 10. Oh, uh, really? Maybe four. And, which is what I'm wondering, like, he must have been holding it in for at least half an hour. <laughs> yeah, that takes a lot. Yeah, and I can't believe nobody let him in. But even beyond that, at a certain point, you just, you just pee somewhere and, you know, let, you right. get caught, yeah. you get caught. You can't hold it for that long. Yeah, also you get your own poisoning. Yeah, like, they're not going to arrest, like, a, you know, a bald man in his 60s. Yeah. Right. For just, like, peeing in a bush. Like, yeah. You'll be um, especially in this residential neighborhood, by the time somebody sees and calls a cop, yeah, no, right yeah, away. No one, yeah. they're going to dispatch a cop. Like, yeah. Also, where's his car the whole time? He's, he always seems to have this happen in, in very residential neighborhoods, which is weird because in my experience in LA, you really don't sort of drive through residential neighborhoods. You sort of drive from neighborhood to neighborhood, right? Yeah, but I feel like everything though in LA is like both residential uh, and I don't know. It's yeah. like everything's very quasi. Like you go in and out a lot. Yeah. So let's look with this boost for a second. So she's played by Frank Zappa's daughter, Moon Unit Zappa. Yeah, it's very. I just find it hard to believe that a Muslim woman that is so religiously observant as to dress like that would be willing to date any non-Muslim who happens to knock on her door, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I oh yeah, sure. What, what are you? Uh, what's your religious faith? Oh, I don't care. I'll date you. Oh, you got another blind date? Okay, yeah. What's? I'll date you. It's just, I someone who dresses like that, I would assume, would be part of a uh, community and would be sort of uh, having a blind date opportunities through that community. Uh, yeah, everything you're saying makes sense. Yeah. She's, very incident- she's very incidentally Muslim, basically. Yeah, someone who's ex- not extremely religious would probably not, would, would want to make sure that the guy was yeah. also a very strict, observant Muslim. Yeah, like um, For the most part, yeah. That's what you would expect. Yeah. Um, so uh, Larry and Habus go out for lunch, and he sees the car wash guys all there hanging out, having lunch together. Mm. Uh, they ask how they did today. They say, hey, pretty good, only one pretty. Uh, they made a hundred bucks, and Larry asks them if they saw the sunblock that was in his car. And Is the implication, say, oh. by the way, that they are using those funds to to, to treat themselves to lunch? <laughs> oh, I don't know if that was the implication, but it's certainly possible. Because this whole scene, and I guess it plays up along what we were talking with Michael before. This scene really plays up the disabled as uh, you know, not always the most uh, <laughs> morally forthright individuals. Uh, yeah, much like uh, the blind guy. I think yeah. that might that might be the theme of this episode. Yeah. Blind people and uh, mentally disabled people are also assholes sometimes. <laughs> we'll steal your money and take advantage. Uh, not just your money, but your uh, suntan lotion. Your sunscreen, right. Yeah. Um, so uh, they go, they join them to sit down, and Larry says, Where, Where's the fourth one of you from earlier? They, yeah. At first, they claim to not even know who he's talking about. <laughs> uh, and then they realize, Oh, you mean the guy that was holding the sign? He went home. 
Uh, and but, I don't understand the purpose of this lie if they know he's coming back. <laughs> yeah. um, well, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, wow. This, uh, Nuggets won this game. Oh, yeah. I've been watching. Um, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. They like, they're like, they're confused. Like, oh, he went home. But then there's someone says, no, he didn't go home. Like, he was going to go home. And then he went somewhere else. We don't know where he is. Yeah. Um, but then when he shows up and his face is covered in the sun, the, the lotion, and Larry's like, oh, I guess we don't have the lotion. All the guys are laughing, saying, yeah, we lied, we lied to you, we lied. It was very weird. Like, what was the – was it just as a, a joke, as a game? Uh, very confusing to me. Um, yeah, I think they were – yeah, they were doing like a trick on him. Yeah, I guess so. Great trick. Yeah. I mean, I, as we'll see from uh, a minute from now, as you referenced earlier, their, like, uh, comedic timing is not necessarily the best. Mm-hmm. So um, they're still eating. Larry spills some tuna salad on Habus. Uh, he offers to get a dry clean for her. Uh, he tells them he has a joke. An Arab and Jew and an Asian fellow walk into a bar. Uh, all the guys start cracking up, and Larry says, I haven't even told the joke yet. Um, then Mel's two guys walk in, and he, they see Larry hanging out and joking around with the car wash group, um, this, thus confirming their earlier suggestion. And Larry's like being like very like, flamboyant with his arms like, so, like he's like acting in a way that's gesticulating similar to them um, another Seinfeld comparison much like Kramer with the yes. uh, when he goes to that Mel uh, show. yeah yeah I have to say that when Mel's two goons walk in and see Larry cracking jokes with the car washers and Haboos I was choking I was laughing so hard <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah it's a, it's well it's a well shot scene yes he fits he certainly fits in as, as like he looks like he's part of the, just part of that group and larry by the way he's a great guy he's getting along with these guys he invites them over to come watch the game yeah he's very lovely here yeah um okay so we're uh we're in michael's apartment and larry is telling him all about haboose and explains how perfect it is because nobody knows what she looks like so everyone's in the same boat everybody's blind <laughs> He says, there's no downside here. There's none. That's a direct yes. You know, Larry David is not the type of person, given his experience, that should walk around life saying there's no downside. And setting up a random blind white guy with a fundamentalist yeah. muscle. Yeah. yeah. No downside. Yeah. This is one of Larry, a Larry David idea. There's a downside. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Michael, Michael is very excited. The catch is that Larry has it's to like come if you, If you can't down. spot the downside within five minutes of analyzing yeah, your idea, you are the downside. You're yeah. the downside. Yes. Yeah. Larry David is the downside is that Larry David is involved. Yes. <laughs> uh, so they're back at home and Stewart is doing more card tricks, this time in his Superman costume. And yeah. Larry's still trying very, to figure very out. confused to me. Why is he dressed up like he's like he's not gonna go trick-or-treating with his Aunt Cheryl, right? He doesn't really seem to have any friends here who he's just hanging out with Cheryl. So why is he dressed up as Superman? I don't know. Yeah, 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 they're going. They're all going to a party. So maybe he did go with Cheryl. I don't know. No. And also, it's a very sort of a childish Superman type costume, I think. Yeah, and there's also like no reason for him to be in a Superman costume, for, or for him to be trick or treating as part of the scene. Yeah, like he know. could just be. It could just be a Halloween, and like they they don't talk about Halloween. No. Yeah. I guess they're just trying to really uh, shoehorn Halloween in. Yeah. You know? HBO was all about capturing that Thanksgiving uh, episode. Yeah. Again, this is an episode that uh, airs in January. So. <laughs> right. Um, so um, Larry's still trying to figure it out. He gets really serious. He wags his finger in Stuart's face and says, I want that trick. <laughs> but Stuart still refuses because Larry isn't the magician. Yes. And Larry asks him if he's going to trick or treating, and he says he wants half the candy, but don't tell Cheryl. Just put it in the pantry, and I'll sort it out later. 
Yeah, and it just seems very un- strange to me. Why does Stewart immediately give in? Yeah, why is Larry entitled to half it? Because he's not telling him the trick? Like, that's uh, yeah, like, what, what, is, what if he says no? What is Larry going to do? Larry's like, don't tell Cheryl. Well, of course Stewart should tell Cheryl now that he knows Larry doesn't want him to. Yeah. Not only that, but he, even, he doesn't even say, give me half. He says, you put it all in the pantry and I'll divide it. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, but Stewart, I mean, maybe Stewart just immediately says yes because he knows he's not going to anyways, and why argue with the guy? He's obviously a strange uh, old man. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, m- people giving in, people in Cheryl's family giving in to unreasonable demands of Larry's is a, is a theme because in the very next scene, it happens as well. Uh, yes. So um, Larry comes down to see Cheryl, Jeff, and Susie in costume. Um, catches Jeff sneaking a peek at Cheryl's cleavage, and Larry says he wants Cheryl to change her costume immediately. Yeah, and she, she has spent a long time. She looks incredible. Her makeup, yeah. her hair. Yeah. It is impossible. This is the most unrealistic thing that has ever happened on the series. That she agrees to change? There is a zero yeah, percent. You try imagine that your wife has put, put in the effort that Cheryl's put in here, and you say, cover it all up. You're going in a bag. Like in a, <laughs> it is an impossible thing to happen. It would never, ever, ever happen if Cheryl just gives in immediately. Yeah, unless, like, you know, maybe went to a dark place. Maybe he's like, I'm going to cut off all the credit cards unless oh. you change <laughs> I don't know. I just I find that completely impossible to believe, and it puts me so far out of the episode when that happens. Yeah, it's a completely ridiculous turn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he says, yeah, you can wear Habusa's outfit instead, her burqa, and you can go. You'll, you'll be uh, your your costume will be that you're an Islamic fundamentalist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're driving to the party, and a car pulls up next to them, and four assholes call Cheryl Osama. They tell her to go back to her country. They throw an egg at her, and she ducks, and it hits Larry. Yes. Uh, which is, you well know, deserved. Larry deserves that. Yes, yeah. well deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, not that anyone deserves to have eggs thrown at them, but Larry deserves to have eggs thrown yeah. at them. No, yeah. No, Larry does, yeah. Yeah. Not for any racial reason, just for being Larry. Yes. Um, so we're at, uh, we go over to Habusa's house. Uh, Michael and Larry are there for the date. Uh, she opens the door. She says, Michael is beautiful. He, she looks, he looks like Larry's brother, Larry. He says, yes, we're bald brothers. Uh, it starts to rain. Habu says she's fine. Uh, we realize it because she has a hood, so she'll be fine. Larry says, it's okay, I have an umbrella. But he has trouble as he's opening it. And as it finally gets opened, I guess the, the top of the, you know, the pin at the top of the umbrella gets caught on Habu's hood and pulls her hood off her face. And Larry sees her face and reacts in horror. Um, and of course, now this matches Ruth because Michael now knows that she's not attractive. Yeah. And I don't understand, why does Larry have to tell Michael that he saw Habusa's face? What they don't know can't hurt them. Just lie. Or say, oh, yeah, she's very beautiful. Um, yeah, well, I think it just, like, it was kind of, the whole thing was very involuntary. And, like, well, he gets, and she, and, yeah, but Michael says, not hot, and Larry says, mm, like, his reaction is sort of an involuntary reaction, an excited utterance, as we say uh, in the law. <laughs> but that could have just been a surprise at seeing her at all. But then he says, not hot. And Larry says, could have said, oh, no, no, she's, she's actually gorgeous. I was just surprised to see her. Yeah, but Larry doesn't even bother trying to lie here. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just like, he's still, well, he's apparently so incredibly ugly that. Apparently, yeah. She must be so this wasn't historically unattractive. Yeah. yeah. Larry couldn't even be subtle about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we head back home and Stewart is doing the trick on Cooter Friedlander and yeah. he figures it out right away. Yeah. He asks, uh, yeah, he says, anyone can figure that out. It's very easy. Yeah. Uh, so I ask, uh, Larry. where's Larry? And Cheryl says he's probably in the bathroom. 
And we get this uh, incredible long tracking shot of the David house. And we travel up the stairs into the bedroom, into the bathroom. And we see Larry having a fantasy of being on the set of the producers. And he goes into Katie Huffman's uh, private room. And she offers to be his 10th anniversary gift. When suddenly she, start, she turns into, Sadie, into Susie, who's wearing the dominatrix outfit uh, that she was wearing the other night. And she starts berating Larry and demeaning him and talking down to him. Um, yeah, Susie would be a very good dominatrix because she could, you know, oh, yes. she could be very demeaning and demeaning, you know. Demeaning, yeah, yes, she um, would dominate very well. Yeah. Um, By the way, I like how Larry has the energy. He knows he has friends coming over to watch a game and he runs in the middle of the day to the bathroom to uh, perform. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he wanted to get it out of the way. Yeah. You don't want to like have to go in the middle of the party. Like you got to be busy. Yeah. But I do the idea of Larry having to fantasize about Susie in that outfit for the rest of his life is very, very yes. funny to me. Um, yeah, and she uh, he tries to get her out of the fantasy, but he can't. Yeah. And she's laughing maniacally at him that now yeah. you'll be stuck fantasizing you forever. And she mm-hmm. keeps yelling at him. And Larry exits the bathroom in a panic, and the show comes to an end. Yeah. So, Av, what's your rating for this episode? Um, I thought this was a very solid episode. Um, some very classic scenes, and I will give it four pretties. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Yeah, I'm basically there with you. Uh, what I do for each episode uh, in order to give my pretties is I rank it compared to all the episodes we've seen so far. And so in a vacuum, I would say, yeah, this is a very, very strong episode. It's probably earning four. But when I slot it into my rankings, I have it actually in the groups uh, in, in the near the other episodes that are pretty, 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 pretty good. So I only give it three and a half, but we're basically on the same page here. I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. And who is your come with guy? I think I'm going to go with Habus. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, she's you know, part of the blind date for the episode title. Uh, she seems to be a lovely woman. Who's the only one of what seems to be double-digit people in Los Angeles who is willing to let Larry use her bathroom, and then takes him uh, to get uh, to get gas. She's very helpful. Um, she's you know even though she's a religious Muslim, she's down to go to state you know any random guy. She's gonna come with. Let's go to lunch. Let's go to this. Let's go to that. Let's hang out with these uh, mentally challenged car wash guys. So yeah, I think she's the come with gal. She's down for fun. Yeah, she, she is a very good come with gal, um, as you said. She does not have the best judgment in men, really, or really in general, it seems like, uh, associated with Larry David. I'm going to give it to uh, the late great Anton Yelchin as Stewart because, you know, as uh, yeah. it's very indelible. Uh, his role is so short here, and yet for some reason, I remember all his scenes, the delivery of his lines is very, very good. Whereas the Habus character, uh, especially, uh, you know, a white actress putting on that accent, you know, I don't, it, might not, uh, it might not fly in 2020 so much. But... Um, who is your worst person yeah your pick your pick was better okay i should have done with him but uh (laughs) yeah uh for worst person um i wonder if this is a two-time for me i'm gonna go with blind michael Mm. just a completely irredeemable asshole just mistreats everybody he's extremely high maintenance you know blind people shouldn't be such accusers you know somebody wants to go on a date with you go on a date with them seems to be like yeah, uh, he's incredibly vain. Leaving Habus at the doorstep, just really, really, really a bad thing to do. Um, so Michael, yes, he is the worst person, and we have complete consensus on that. 
We do not really have any uh, new actors or celebrities in this episode, although we will next episode. Uh, quite a couple, actually. Uh, so is it time for us to visit the Postman? It is. Postman! Postman, come here! Tell the neighborhood! I know Zach Brooks did uh, not set, submit to the Postman in time because he just messaged that to me. Yes. Um, okay, yeah, we just have one uh, email this week from Olin Allen. He says, though, that was a great, fun episode that had me chuckling throughout. On our celebrity rankings, was Moon Zappa the perfect celebrity to play Habus? I think she's very well known of, but without people really knowing what she looks like or much else apart from the obvious name, which kind of it hits with the character, fits with the character. Oh, yeah, I don't think we can count her. Uh, she tends to be very popular trivia question to being an unusually named child of a celebrity. She was absolutely wonderful. It was one of my favorite all-around nice and positive characters, although I was checking on IMDb for one point, and the only one, one, the one review of the episode totally disagrees with me in regards to Moon's portrayal of Habus. Personally, I thought the portrayal of the car cleaning crew was well done, did feel a bit awkward at first, but it was a positive portrayal without pandering. One thing I love about Curb is how the show treats people with some disability as, as people with their own strong personality. I've come to know some people through my rugby club with Down syndrome as we have tailored tea for them, and they are really great fun and a big addition to the club, like was displayed in the restaurant scene. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. It just, you know, these, these are a fun group of guys to hang out with. Yeah, coming to watch the game while they're masturbates. <laughs> um, finally, they really nailed the original Halloween outfit for Cheryl that would get Jeff drooling. She looks absolutely stunning, very much good, good girl hot to the bad girl hot Susie was portraying. Come with gal has to be Haboos, so old is with me, even though I'm not even with me. Uh, for the villain of the week, easiest one, even though minimal screen time, I would consider for biggest all-around villain, the egg-throwing guy. Okay, yeah, oh, that's, okay. Fair. Yeah. that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy's a racist, uh, Trump-supporting asshole who acts yeah. uh, Muslim people with eggs. Yeah. Yes, that's fair. Uh, so for his rating, he's going to give it four and a half pretties out of good. So only the highest on the episode of all of us. But I think this was a, I think we all agree this was a big step up, and I think we have uh, big things to come as well. Yeah, each of the last three episodes of the season, episodes one, two, and three, each of us, our rating has increased each week uh, over the previous week. I, I think next week we might have that happen as well. Next week we have The Weatherman. Uh, Larry suspects that The Weatherman is giving inaccurate uh, forecasts to clear the golf course for himself. He also has a plaque issue, uh, which uh, many people find to be uh, disgusting, if not uh, uh, damaging and horrifying to, to see. And we will have a whole host of characters uh, show up on the episode next week. We have uh, Super Dave, Bob Einstein, the late great, playing Marty Funkhauser. We have Saul Rubinek playing Dr. Saul Funkhauser. So uh, we have uh, Lou Cattell playing Leo Funkhauser. So we have a whole uh, group of Funkhausers joining us. We also have uh, Ted Danson comes back again in next episode. And we will have a special guest uh, to help us discuss the episode, a guest who uh, said to me a couple of months ago, I want to come on your podcast. Tell me when you get up to the first Funkman episode. So the first Funkman episode is coming, and our guest will be with us as well. And I think this guest is going to be... Pretty, 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 pretty good.